Welcome to the Property CEO Podcast, your inside track to the world of property with your hosts, Ian Child and Richie Clapson. Hello and welcome to the Property CEO Podcast. My name's Ian Child and I'm here with Mr. Richie Clapson. Hello, everyone. And in this episode, we're talking about one of the most important aspects of any property project, which is the uh, the funding, aren't we, Richie? That's right. And I've been talking to a leading commercial broker to find out exactly what they think of developers who perhaps have little or maybe no experience and what we can then do if we're in that position to really get ahead of the curve on all things relating to finance. Fantastic. So really good. Yeah, can't wait to hear all about it. Yeah, and it'll also give you the opportunity to finish off that bag of chips here <laughs> that you seem to have smuggled into the studio once we listen to the no, no, come on. One of the one of the frankly huge advantages of doing a podcast and not a video podcast is that I can eat a bag of chips whilst you interview people and nobody is ever going to find out. Uh, but of course, they, they probably will find out if you tell them. Well, if, you tell, if I tell them, I've just told them. I mean, at the end of the day, you've come in and I've just noticed that you've bought in a bag of chips and you have not bought anything in for anyone else. You've just bought your own in. So obviously, you're a bit peckish. I'd, you don't like fish and chips. Yeah, I love fish and chips. You know, I'm just not as addicted to them as you are in in, in, in the same way. Well, no, I, I, I'm failing to see that this is some sort of addiction. I, I have fish and chips occasionally, um, but I think that's that's about it. If you'd have said, if you'd have mentioned, I'd have got you some. You well, can no. have some of these. Yeah, well, no, no. But you no, can't no. have some of these because you're, you're absolutely, You're absolutely fine. What about when we went out the other day and uh, we, we were in the office? Do you recall when we were in the office? Maybe we should share this with our listeners. <sighs> we're in the office. We were working late. And uh, I knew of a, of a local fish and chip shop, and uh, we said, well, okay, let's go out and, and grab, a, grab a bite to eat. And from memory, I think this is how it went. We went in, and I ordered uh, just a portion of chips, and a, I think I had a battered sausage or something like that. And you went in, and you, you had large chips and large fish. I said, I said it just like that, didn't You I? said large chips, large fish, uh, something like that. Anyway, and, and of course, we went back, went back to the office. You piled them out on a plate. I don't think they fitted on the plate, if I remember correctly. Oh, you got small plates. It wasn't a small plate. It was a normal-sized plate. And you tipped them on, and you still had about half a bag free. And what did you do? We went and sat down, and you took the bag with you, and you sort of <laughs> munched your way through what was on the plate and kept topping oh, it up with what was left in the bag. That's harsh. No, well, harsh. You can't, you, the thing is, when chi- they were good chips. And I agree. Gosh, you know, when you've got good chips, you just got to... Yeah, but you, you don't know. have to eat three tonne, do you? <laughs> Actually, people ought to know this as well. We went back a few weeks later. I seem to recall, uh, for some reason, we were working late again. We went back to the same fish and chip shop. But this time, we actually took them back to my house afterwards. But when we went into the fish and chip shop, what did you order? And you said you wouldn't because it's too many. Uh, Well, the old head and the heart had a bit of a... Yeah, I'd I'd gone in there with the uh, absolute intention. And what did you order? I was going to go medium all the way. And what did you order? Yeah, yeah, it it came out large. Large chips, large fish. So we went back to my house, and if you recall, it's quite amusing because we went back to my house. My wife pulled out a platter plate, (laughs) and and my daughter was there as well. And you you proceeded to fill this platter plate with about four or five inches tall of fish and chips and sat down at the table and tried to munch your way through them. It was actually a bit, that, that one was absolutely ginormous. Even I was surprised at the size of the thing that came out of the bag. You thought it was a well on your plate or something like that, a battered well. <laughs> but, but, I mean, it doesn't stop there, does it? Because oh, this, addiction, this addiction carries on in the restaurants. Where are you getting this stuff from? Is that not true? 
it's, it, is what not true? Well, what do you do when we go to a restaurant? This is what Ian does. When we go oh. into a restaurant, we, we go into a restaurant and uh, we, 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 you know, the waitress or waiter comes across, gives us a couple of menus, and we go through it. And you, now I just quietly look through, like most ordinary people. But the only thing Ian you Child, do, Ian Child, what does Ian Child do? Ian always calls the waitress or waiter over and says, "Oh, so what do you recommend?" What's the dish of the day? And they go through it and they tell you about this and that. And we've got, you know, we've got some excellent, you know, homemade pie or we've got fish, uh, something or other. We've got this, we've got that. What do you always order at the end of the day? They go for the whole list and you always come back and order. I don't always order fish and And you always come back and order. No, I'm not having that. I occasionally order fish and chips. They go fish through, and, and it's, 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 yeah, it's conversation as well, isn't it? Yeah. Although, funnily enough, last time, we, do you remember last, when was it? Probably a couple of weeks ago now, we were out in, in fact, one of your local hostelries, and yeah. um, there was that young waitress, and we started, started chatting and asking about Oh, stuff, I know what you're going to say. And, um, and she, she said that she was a vegetarian. <laughs> And so we had a bit of a conversation about that. Well, what do you recommend? Yeah. And then, um, then, then you asked her. Um, so you said it was you this time. It's like, well, well so um, you know, looking at this menu, what do you, what do you recommend? <laughs> and and she, the vegetarian said, <laughs> she said, well, the sirloin is pretty good, and, the, and so are the sausages. <laughs> so I said, well. What part of vegetarianism is this like a, a new strand of vegetarianism that we didn't know about? And she said, oh no, I've only been a vegetarian for three days. <laughs> Never mind. Well, hopefully she's, uh, you know, that's a few weeks back now, so hopefully she's uh, she's still doing well. Yeah, I'm sure she's still, well, she, if you're listening and you're still on the wagon, yeah, good good luck to you. Excellent. Anyway, right. so last, that's the last time I'm bringing food in here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is not so good. Shall we crack on? Let's crack on. Let's uh, let's have a listen to, to this interview. The interview's with uh, a chap called Terry Rice. I've known Terry now for about 10, 15 years. Uh, Terry runs a company called TJR Commercial. And Terry's, uh, he's a great guy. He's a, he's, a, he's a commercial financial broker and he's out there and he can pretty much search whatever finance you want for your development projects. And uh, so I've sat down and I've talked to Terry, as we said, about, you know, what can we do as new developers? What's the best way to approach uh, a commercial broker and how do we get the best out of them? So, so let's have a listen to this interview, see what Terry has to say and you enjoy your chips. <laughs> I'm here today with, with Terry Rice from TJR Commercial. Just um, I'm going to sit and have a sit and have a little chat. Um, first of all, uh, we've got to bring up why Terry's now sold his Porsche. <laughs> <laughs> so you had a Porsche just uh, recently? Yeah, Porsche 911 out of six months, and then decided to sell it because kids were trampling all over it. And when you've got a car that um, expensive then last thing you want is a lot of footprints. But what did you just tell me that was really interesting? So this is, being a commercial guy, you've got to do everything that's got a commercial base. So you bought the Porsche, you paid whatever you paid for it, you paid X, you've had it for six months. And I sold it for the same price I bought it for. (laughs) (laughs) So that's what I like in terms of a commercial person. uh, You're obviously good at numbers because you've you've had your fun for six months, completely free motoring. Absolutely. And sold it on. Well, there you go. So he sold his Porsche, so moved on. So today, just want to have a chat then. What I'm interested in is getting out to people that um, talk to us on Property CEO is if they come and see a commercial broker, so you're a commercial broker, maybe a lot of people don't actually understand what commercial development brokers are. So maybe we'll start with that in a minute so people can understand what, what you actually do, you know, go out there and do. And secondly, if someone's coming to you and they're completely new or maybe a little bit of experience, what should they be doing, or even more importantly, what shouldn't they be doing? You yeah. know? So first of all, what's, what, does a, what does a commercial development broker do? Okay, so um, I am a middleman, basically, as, as a you know, the term broker, yeah. as I broker, broker deals. 
So if someone comes to me needing finance, so whether it be property development or investment purposes or business finance, anything like that, then I would then um, look for the best deal for them. And you, um, presumably, you've got the ability as a broker. You're not tied with one one bank, one one funding bank. You can go anywhere. No, no. If, if they, the high street banks, they're, they're uh, more risk averse, so they'll look at you know someone who's got bags of experience. They only need to borrow up to fifty percent of what they need, yep. and a high street bank will 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 help out. So you could go to a relationship manager, you can knock on the door of a high street bank, and they will lend you the money. Where I, I come in more is the challenger banks. Yeah. So some of the challenger banks, smaller banks, peer-to-peer lenders. So these are you know, lenders, investors that get together and put money into a big pot and then they, they invest it in property. What, what would you call a challenger bank for those that don't know what a challenger bank is? Uh, it's a smaller, it's a still a bank, it's still a registered bank, yeah. but they're just not on the high street. Yeah, yeah. Simple as that. They're just, they're, they're more of the... Uh, the smaller firms that do still have money to lend, but they just don't have the same infrastructure as a high street bank. Yep. Um, so they are challenging the high street banks. Hence the name. Hence the name, yeah. We're smart, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> but the day, whatever bank it is, all the banks want to lend money. Yep. So where there's been press before, and I appreciate the last economic um, downturn, there was, you know, banks weren't lending money. But in the current environment, we the, the banks still want to lend they want to lend money. So I was at uh, an event last night and someone said to me, uh, he said, oh, well, one of the biggest problems is finding money. And I said, eh, not at all. Not at all. I said, no. I mean, would you agree? I said to him last night, I said, there has never been a better time to find money. There's yeah. so much money out there, yeah. whether it be private investment loan agreements, which we're not talking about today, but that's out there. Yeah. But actually commercial funds, I said, there's so much been out there. Yeah, yeah. True, isn't it? There, it, there is, yes, yeah. And I think um, uh, from, from experience over the last couple of years, it's, it's it's the mentality of um, there is a cost, you know. As like if you if you're doing a property development and you need to buy a bag of cement, it's a cost to that development that project. Yeah, finance is a cost to that uh, development that project. Yeah, yeah, clearly. So you have to factor that in now. If someone comes around and says, "Oh, crikey, they're charging one percent per month," well, if that's the cost, that's the cost. So yeah. is that the difference between you doing the deal and making a six-figure return or not doing the deal? You're going to do the deal, aren't you? That's right, yeah. yeah. So if you can factor that cost in uh, at 1% per month, say, as an average, then you know where you will be at your bottom line. You can still yeah. work out what your, what your net profit's going to be at the end of the day. So, so as a broker, you sit in this middleman position. You, we can come to you as developers, and then you're, you're on our side as much as the bank side. Oh, you're God, brokering yeah, the deal. Yeah, yeah. You, you're then trying to tee us up and fix us up with the best deal that's yeah. out there in the market. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Banks will lend the money, but they want to have a project that they can understand. They want to know that what that you've done your homework on that on that project. You've factored in all the costs. You know that the, the, the scheme works. You know yep. you get a good return from it. So the bank wants to make sure they're funding a good scheme because in the day they want their money back. Yeah. If you were lending your money, you would want your money back. Yeah. So it's it's exactly the same. The difference between with the, obviously the banks is they do have regulations. They are they are you know they they are um, FCA um, regulated, so they yeah. have to make That's sure. The Financial Conduct Authority. Yeah. Yeah. They've got to make sure that they are um, uh, doing everything in line with their guidelines. Yeah. So if they do ask for certain information, there's a reason for it. 
So yeah. they got to um, show to their regulators that they've done a full assessment of your proposal. Yeah. Now, at the end of the day, they have to do it on a financial basis. So they are that the reasons why they want that. So are they lending to someone who's got a clean history? Yeah. Are they lending to someone who's got you know the, got experience, have done this all before, or if not? So those all risk matters come in. So if they can then justify by saying that they've mitigated all those risks, yeah. they can then lend the money. Yeah. And they need to show an audit trail that they've assessed that. So that's looking at the individual developer or the team who makes up the development, yeah. um, plus the development itself, all the purchase costs, the construction costs, and yeah. ultimately all the sale values. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So, so if um, you're out there in the market, you see new developers come to you, uh, let's pick up on a couple of negatives. What's what's the biggest mistakes new developers make when they come and see you that you then have to send them away? Not enough information. Purpose of my role is making sure that they've 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 done done their homework. They've done all that documentation. They've made sure the scheme works. Yeah. You know, people just just say, well, I'm looking at this development. It's going to cost roundabouts this. It's going to be worth this when it's done. Where's the where's the comparisons? Where's the cost? So do you get people stuff? literally turn up and would say to you, Terry, oh look, I've got this scheme. I think it's going to be about this, and I reckon I'm going to sell it for that. And would would you lend me six hundred thousand? Yeah, or get me six hundred thousand yeah. one million. Yeah. You actually get that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and what do you do? Show them the door quite quickly, or would you help uh, them? No, help them. No, you can you can help them out. Um, I've done it before. A client, a, a client which I'm um, um, doing a deal for at the moment. There. He, I've had to give them sort of templates. You know, I've gone and researched templates for them, yep. so they can go away and then they can complete this. Basically, so they can so they can work out all their costs yep. and what it will what it will be at the end, and and work out whether it's a scheme that they should be doing or not. Yeah. So I mean, we we have a deal analysis sheet which you know yes, I yeah. use. Yeah, You've seen that. Um, very good, he says. That's good. I'm impressed with that. <laughs> so uh, that type of sheet, which we give our students on Property CO, that's just exactly the sort of thing you're looking for, which which flushes out all your numbers from your purchase yep. to all your construction, all your finance costs, and ultimately yep. your GDV. Yeah, yeah. That with a cash flow. So you're looking at cash flow when, so basically when funds are needed. So your when you need to buy your materials, um, pay for labour, that type of stuff. Yeah. So long as you can, that you know, justify where you think you'll need the cash. Yeah. Going through a scheme, um, just so that they know when that's when it's going to happen. For a lot of people, that's going to be quite a difficult thing. Maybe they can get their head round a development appraisal sheet. Yep. Then the cash flow sheet, they might not know oh, exactly yep. how it's going to be built out. So aside from getting a contractor on board, because they're still at an early stage, you know, as a developer, we're at an early stage. We're not even talking to contractor. We're just trying to win the deal. Yep. Uh, a fairly basic cash flow sheet where if we said the construction period six months and it was 600,000 and we roughly yep. got 100,000 a month, yep. that's good enough that's, to start that's with. That's good enough to start off with, yeah. And the cash flows are, are you know, it's, they, are, they are what they are. Um, and I don't think I've ever seen a cash flow actually follow its, uh, its true path. There are always going to be some amendments yeah. um, going through a cash flow. So it's, but it gives you that mindset to say, to say that, okay, well, I'm going to, I need, Hundred thousand that month. I need a hundred thousand that month. I need a hundred thousand pound that month. It gets you into that mindset of thinking about your cash. So as long as we can take six hundred divided by six on our calculator, <laughs> we're we're winning. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So so that's that's really important. Again, so people will turn up with without this information. You're quite. Is it best that people? I mean, do people um, try and suggest that they've got experience? Do you get people doing that? 
and then you catch them out that they haven't. Is that yes, quite common? Yeah, because you would look for a CV. So it's, it's a bit like you know, applying, almost like applying for a job, but you're applying to a bank for, for funding, but they yeah. need to know what experience you have. So if you've got a well-structured CV, yeah. um, even to the extent where you've, you may have... Um, you know, uh, bought and sold your own house. Yeah. You know, they'll they'll look and say, well, did, you know, if you've done any work to it, did you did you sell it for more? That type of stuff. So that shows that you've had some sort of, you know, you might put an extension on the side of the house. Yeah. That type of stuff. But but people coming to you without, uh, you know, that experience and pretending they've got it, so they're coming. Oh yeah, I, I, I do development. I'm guessing you're you'll see through that quite quickly. Yeah, because they would they they would need to have the. Um, the details of, of what they've done. So you'd, you'd be asking that, you're saying, well, show me your track record, what sort yeah. of things have you done? Yeah. And, and, and so is, is it better then to come to you on that basis of saying, Terry, look, I'm fairly new, I've been introduced to you through so-and-so, I'm fairly new to this, um, but this is what I've done on my numbers. Uh, I've got this, can you tell me what other information I need to get it to you, um, what other information I'll need to actually back up my CV? Yeah. Come clean with you, yeah. is that the better route? Absolutely, route? yeah, come clean with everything. Yeah. You know, it's it's better to have your, your cards on the table at the onset, um, discuss it with themselves before you go to a to a to a bank, um, and you know, it, there are lenders do have certain niches. So there are lenders out there that are happy to lend to startup startup um, um, startup developers. Yeah, you know, there are specific lenders who will do that. There are lenders that will lend. Um, uh, smaller amounts, yep. um, whereas majority of the, um, the the larger banks are happy with schemes over two million pounds. Yeah. So they're quite happy dealing with those ones, but there is a market for for, for lower amounts. And the day they, they they do exactly the same amount of work for whatever deal it is. So you, if it's a two hundred thousand pound deal or a two million pound deal, it's exactly the same amount of work that needs to be done. And lenders will say, "Well, okay, what return am I getting from this?" Yeah, they'll get a better return from a two million pound deal than they will two hundred thousand pound deal. So, so, so it's really important then, from a broker's point of view, you you won't take a two hundred thousand pound deal to the wrong bank. You're <laughs> going to take it no. to the bank. That's, yeah. So, as a developer, if we don't know that, if we just had a relationship with a another bank, yep, and we we done a big deal with them, and then we went to a small deal with them. We might not get the right reaction. Where it's right. better to come through someone like you, yeah. who who's going to pick and choose those banks. Yes, that's right. What about in terms of the work? As you said, for the banks, it's as much work to do a two million pound lend as it is to two hundred thousand. Yep. Um, so they're not that. In, some of those banks aren't interested in the two hundred thousand pound deals. How does that work with you? So if I come to you and I only want to borrow two hundred thousand. Are you going to be interested compared to someone else might come to you tomorrow and want to borrow two million? Are you actually going to talk to me? Of course, yeah, yeah. End of the day, um, my fee is one percent of the uh, of the the total amount. Yeah. Length. So if you're looking for two hundred thousand pounds, then I'll get I'll, my my fee is one percent of that. Yeah. Um, my view is, is that it's um, it's a deal, and what could then potentially lead from a two hundred thousand pound deal? In two or three years' time, you may be knocking on my door for a two million pound deal. So you're happy to. So people that are fairly new, you're really happy for them to come to you. You'll work with them, although you won't make anywhere near as much money out of your two two hundred thousand pound deal. No. You're looking forward to think, okay, well, I might get several of those, and then yes. they're going to build up. So it's about building those. Yeah, it's, those good, relationships. it's building that relationship with that developer. And that fee of yours, we don't have to pay that upfront, do we? No, 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 no. It's all it's all paid on. Um, 
uh, when the funds are drawn down. So it's important for people to know that, that ultimately if you didn't succeed in getting us the money, we wouldn't be having to pay no, you. No, you wouldn't pay me a thing. Don't pay me a thing until you get the, until you get the money. So it's win-win. So yeah, yeah. Your, your interest, as I know personally, your interest is to make sure that deal, it's not just putting this in touch with the bank, your interest there as a broker is to push that deal all the way over the line. Yeah, I'll, I'll manage it all the way through to make sure so they come up with any any queries, questions on there to, the, the lender will talk to me and I will then either try and, from information I already know, I'll deal with it myself to yeah. save trouble the developer, but there may also be something I need to go back to the developer to, to, to clarify. And I think the thing I've always found important about going through a broker, um, and a good friend of mine uh, who does, does exactly the same thing, is he's always said what he will do is take the information, so the information that you will take from us as a developer, and package it in its best light. I'm not saying massage the figures or anything like that, but package it in, in its best light to put it forward. Yeah. So so that we got the best chance of success. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's, it's getting all that right information, um, and then moulding it to the to the right. And you get to know what appetites lenders have, um, and they and you get to know um, you know what what information they require. Yeah. So if you can you know you can tick the box with with them straight away, then you know that they're going to be looking at looking at it favourably. Yeah. Yeah. So we've got to come to you with a deal analysis sheet which shows all of our purchase costs, all of our construction costs. How much information do you, would you normally want to see to back up that construction cost? So if we've done it on some square meterage rates, yep, um, which we based on some historic values, is, are you comfortable with that? Yes, yeah, definitely. Because um, a bank, as far as I'm concerned, the bank is a bank. They're good at finance. They fund, fund it. Yep. They will then go to third parties to get the deal done. So they'll go to evaluers. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, when, when you get the scheme and you're working on um, comparable costs or square foot, that sort of stuff, if we know that we're working to a similar guideline as what a value would do, then it's it's more likely to, to, to get through. So if you're then going to come to me and say, well, I'm doing all this scheme, it's going to be worth two million pounds when it's all done, and then we can go down the lines of saying to a valuer, um, this is what it's worth, and He's then looking at his comparisons and stuff, and he says it's only 1.5 million. Then you know we've shot ourselves in the foot straight away, and we've had to pay out, or the developers had to pay out for that valuation. Yeah. So we need to make sure, from experience, that the that the scheme is the scheme is right. So the point that we have to start spending money as a developer is when we get a, a bank on on the hook. Yeah. So the bank's interested. We then have to pay for evaluation, so we've yep. got a surveyor that's going to come out. That's what we've got to pay up front normally for that. Yes. And so if if we've um, massaged our figures inappropriately and tried to pull the wool over your eyes, ultimately the bank surveyor who will just look at it based on historic figures, what's yep. going on in the market, yep. would potentially devalue us, and we 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 pay for that valuation and waste the money. Yes. So, yeah. so it, we'd get caught out yeah. if we tried to fudge the figures. Yes. Yeah. But so those construction costs, if we come to you with a, a per square meterage construction cost or per square foot, yeah, you've probably got enough experience. Am I right in saying that you could look at those and think, yeah, okay, I, I feel that's that right feels that's part. right. Yes. Yeah. From for the number of deals I've seen, yes, you can you can pick up where where you where you think there's the right costs. Um, you, locally around the area, you know roughly what houses or um, uh, apartments are, are selling for in certain areas, so you know whether they're they're, they're right. And if you do you do your, as I said, go back to the start when you when you're doing your initial 
uh, findings, it's taken on board some of those, you know, look in the state agent windows, go on right move to look at yeah. the prices, that sort of stuff. You know, there's a, there's a wealth of information on the internet to be able to try and find what the actual costs are, bill, bill costs are, that yeah. type of stuff. So, you know, you use what's available to start off with, which doesn't cost you a thing. Yeah. And I, we often say as well, if you can find a, a contractor who you can potentially build a relationship with who might want to build your scheme out, as he would go on the tender list, some of those will take a view over your development construction costs and give you a feel that they're about right. Yes, so yeah. we, it, even stronger, I guess, as opposed to the you, if we had a contractor back up the numbers and say, yeah, I think we could build it for that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Would you be looking to see uh, a, a local state agent's valuation report on the specific scheme? Does that help? Yes, it does. Yeah, very much so. And not just one, get a couple. Right. So get to two estate agents. Then the day that that's that's what they're there for. They're there. Uh, they will want at the end of the game if your scheme goes ahead, uh, they will want to market it. Yeah. So they're they're looking at um, what commission they can make from it. So they'll be happy to help out. They'll do that for free, won't they'll they? They'll do it for free. Yeah. yeah. So so it would really strengthen our case if we came in to see you and then we've got two estate agents reports who said, yeah, we've looked at the scheme, we valued house one at this, flat two at that, and so on and so yeah. forth. Yeah. And and they normally on those reports they give all the comparables anyway, don't they? That's right. So yes. our own research plus yep. plus those comparables. Yeah. I mean, if you wanted to spend some money, you know, some uh, some valuers will do a desktop valuation for you. Yeah. So they'll work out you know what sort of costs are and do a, do a small report for five hundred quid, I expect. I mean, I, I guess what's what you're saying, you're here to help us. So if we come in, if I'm brand new. And I've got some figures down. You're gonna, you're happy to spend some time with me and say, look, okay, I think you think you need to have a look at that. That doesn't look right to me. Go away and have a look at this before you submit it up the line. You're gonna maybe give me some advice. Yes, yeah. To send me off in the right direction to come, you know, come back with better information. That's right. Yes. Yeah. You got, you, you've got to be, um, you've got to have that that planning. You've got to have that, you know, the reports done. You've got everything in in line as it should be. Yeah. Uh, ready to go to a, ready to go to a bank. In terms of um, something I think is is really important as a developer is to get this development management cost, so 10% of the construction cost that you draw out of the project. And some developer funders like that, and, yes, and right. some yeah. don't. And my take on that is um, some, some, developer, some funding uh, banks will say, no, we want to keep you hungry till the end of the projects, because effectively it's advanced profit, yes. and in which case we're not going to pay anything out. Others will happily go, no, we want you to be totally focused on this, and in which case we're happy to draw 10% of the construction costs, so it might be a few grand a month, two or three grand a month, which is not going to be enough for you to run off into the hills with, uh, but it's enough for you to be focused on the project. Um, you, you see that? You see those two yeah, options? because there's, 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 there's two ways of looking at it, because you have, um, well, if you, if, you're, if you don't get a sort of management fee throughout the the the, um, uh, the term of the project, then one, how you, how you gonna live, that sort of thing, you still got bills to pay, that sort of thing. So what you're gonna do is you're gonna hold back some of your deposit that you're not putting into it, yes. so you can live on. Yeah. So it's, it, you either stick all that cash in straight away at the front, and then you take, um, take a payment throughout. And some of the banks prefer that because the risk, they would, they would want to fund uh, as much of the development because they they control the development. Yep. So you have to be at certain stages before they then give you cash to carry on or pay some bills or yeah, yeah. or do the next next tranche. So giving you a bit of pocket money yeah. throughout the scheme 
is better and they know that you've put all your money in from day one, that's a better way of then giving you some of that, as you say, some of that profit yep. throughout the stage of it yep. because they're in control of it. Yeah. So I think the important thing there is what we'd always say to people if we're talking to a broker, so if, we, if, if people are coming to talk to you, is to clarify that they want, that's the deal they want to do. So if they want to do that deal with uh, drawing a, manage, a development management fee, which is not a project management fee, because we can have project managers doing the yes. project management of the contractor yeah. and the design team, but a development manager for you to oversee the whole thing as a property CEO, as, as we discussed. Yes. Um, as long as we clarify that with you, you're, you would choose the right bank that would support that. That's right. Yes. Some do and some yeah. don't. Yeah. Coming back to that in terms of your own money, um, obviously when you're looking to fund ratios, what sort of funding ratios are banks looking to do on developments? Um, top end, lenders will probably look for uh, any investor or any property um, any developer to put their money in on day one. Yep. So when you're, they prefer you to put all your money in for the purchase of the site. Yep. Um, as I said before, they, they like to have the control of managing the development because then they can then see and they use their own um, uh, professional contractors to then monitor the scheme the throughout surveyors, yeah. the surveyors, that type of stuff. So you're looking at, on a purchase price, they'll, they'll lend up to 70% of the purchase price. So we'd have to put in 30% cash That's right. of the purchase price of the building. Yep, and then don't forget the fees on top of that. So you've yep. got your legal fees, you've got uh, your valuation fees, that type of stuff. And we have to pay that out ourselves? Yes, you, you, you can do. Uh, but if there's enough um, um, funds available within the scheme to their certain percentages, then you can obviously fund that if you if you so wish, okay. or get them reimbursed. Um, they will then look at um, uh, development costs. So development costs, they, as I said, they'd like to fund all of it. So they'll so be 100%, 100% of the development, development costs, yep. they, will, they will look to fund. This will then be subject to an overall lend yep. up to 65, 70% of the gross development value. So the final so, GDV, the final value of the wholesale, there might there be a ratio on that 60, 70% or whatever right. it might be. Yep. And that could obviously change. If they feel there's a bit more risk, they might pull that down a bit or whatever. Yes. So they'll lend on the overall GDV, but basically it's 100% of development yep. and around 60, 70% of the purchase cost. That's right, yeah. If that purchase we're bringing, so as a developer, we go out and we, we raise um, money. So we raise from, from friends and family, private yep. You know, investment. Yes, yeah. That's not a problem, presumably. Not a problem to bring at all. that to the table. No, not a problem at all. No. So no. we don't actually have to have our own cash. If we've got other money that's come into our company that we can lend, it's effectively is cash. Yes. Whatever deal we're doing with those other friends and family privately, yes, doesn't matter. That cash is going into the scheme, um, and that can be our thirty percent right. deposit. Yes. Yeah. So most banks like to have a. Um, uh, a a vehicle that's 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 um, they can lend to. So basically, a limited company. So a special purpose vehicle, as we call it, SBB, yep. which is just another limited company. Yeah, basically, it's yeah. a limited company. It's got no baggage to it. It's not involved in any other trading business or anything else like that. It's a brand new company which they will they will lend to. Uh, the security, the the actual site that you're buying, will then the will go into that company. So that's bought by that SBV. Bought yeah. by that SBV, um, and then it's when it's all done. Um, and sold out of that, then that company is no longer um, wound up or whatever. Yeah. whatever so at the end of it, when we sell it, we pay the pay the um, the funders back, pay all our private investment back if we've got any yeah. of that, and then we sell and we split the profits. Whoever's in the company as directors or shareholders, so yes. that could be us and a joint venture partner or whoever. Yeah. 
and then that's wound up and off, yeah. off we yeah. go again. Yeah. Yeah. Banks so, take a first charge, they'll take a charge over that property um, yeah. and they would expect their, their repayment to be first. Yeah, yeah. So your, your profit, your repayment of, of any other friends and family money comes second. After. That's right, yeah. yeah. So you may well have, say you're buying, say you're developing five, five flats. Mm. Um, when you sell your first three, then the bank will be looking for full repayment from those proceeds yeah. to pay off their loan. Your profit will be in the last two. Last two, yeah, cool. So, so just thinking then, just to sum up what we talked about today, which has been quite, quite good, I'm sure, in light to a lot of people. Most important thing is coming to a broker, you act as that, that middleman, middle person, that finds the best fit for us as a developer yes. with the funding out there from some of these challenger banks that probably a lot of us wouldn't be able to go and just walk into. And talk no, to. no, there's a, there's a number of them that, are, that, that, that don't interact with, with the uh, developer at all. They, they only go through, through brokers. Brokers. So what did you think of that then, Ian? Uh, what would be, you know, out of that, your three top takeaways? And uh, we're not talking about uh, those fish and chips at this moment in time. Which are now safely finished, <laughs> I have to say. Very nice to work too. Uh, well, I think probably the first takeaway uh, is that, uh, yeah, Terry made a bit of a, a schoolboy error. Um, you've really got to make your midlife crisis car last a lot longer than six months. Uh, I think I managed to make mine last, um, well, the first midlife crisis car lasted about two years. So uh, I think he's definitely missed a trick there, isn't he? I like, I like it, yeah. yeah. You managed to have about four midlife crises simultaneously, judging by uh, by your garage, I seem to remember. I like a midlife crisis. I think the um, the worst, no, well, I, it's the worst and the best. So my real proper, you know, when I was really sunk to the depths of my worst midlife crisis, I had about nine cars, a boat and two jet skis. Amazing. Oh, it's brilliant. Yeah. And your, your wife must have loved it. Oh, no, she, she, she was furious. <laughs> but it didn't matter because I was always out in one of the cars or on the boat or on the jet skis. And she, didn't, she went on the boat twice, that was it. Never once went on a jet ski and didn't really care to get in, in any other cars. Oh, is your boat, um, your boat driving skills as uh, tenuous as your yeah. car driving skills? <laughs> yeah, flat out. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. no, I mean, yeah, I, I mean, I love a midlife crisis. It, it was really, really good fun and I prolonged it as much as I could. But no, I'm over that now. It's all gone. I'm just down to a, a pretty much average three cars. You're a three car, not a three car family. You're a three car person. I'm a three car person. And I'm sure you, you, you love driving car. them all simultaneously. It must be fantastic. No, I don't. But so, yeah, you've got to have a midlife crisis. And you're absolutely right. Terry, Terry's messed that one up a bit. So yeah, so hopefully, hopefully, hopefully he'll be able to pull it back later. But no, seriously, in terms of the, the takeaways from, um, from what he was saying, mm. I think... Oh, some really good points in there. So um, the first one, probably very, a very obvious point, is that you know at the end of the day, it's the banks that need to be convinced here, and so they need to be confident that you've done your due diligence. And you know what he's saying is that the biggest mistake that newbies make is not having enough information. They haven't done enough homework, and there's a number of ways around that. So uh, another really kind of it's like this overarching thing that you need to bear in mind when you're talking to your broker is that ultimately his job is to make you look uh, as good as you can. As, you know, so you, between you, you've got the, the best opportunity of getting the finance that you need for your project. He's on your side. So he's on your side. Yeah. So yeah. you should be able to leverage that. So perhaps he may well have a template uh, that would, that you could use that would enable you yeah, to be said, able to... He said, didn't he? He said he was willing to pass out templates to people if you didn't have one. Fantastic. Oh, that's great. Um, and, and obviously, you know, we've got templates as well. But Which are the, better than Terry's, to be fair. I've not <laughs> seen Terry's template, but I found it would be better than yours, Terry. Right, you're not looking for any finance, commercial finance very soon. No, I'm right? looking for commercial finance, <laughs> but I'm not looking for Terry's template. I mean, ours is bound to be better, that's all I'm saying. Sorry, Terry. Um, but you can, uh, you know, the other great 
concept that hangs off the back of that is putting together a CV for yourself. So you know, people are looking at that, the banks are looking at that and seeing what your credibility is. And it's not just about your credibility, because of course, if you've not got that experience, then it's difficult for you to talk about all of the, the projects that you've done. But you've still got the, that, those leveraged skill sets and the leveraged skill sets of your professional team. You've yeah, got all these people. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I think linked to that, I picked up, picked up, you know, it's about being honest. And in fact, this comes across time and time again. Whenever you're dealing with property professionals, just be upfront. If you haven't got the experience, if you haven't got the knowledge, then don't try and blag it. Uh, at the end of the day, there's everybody's got gaps that they need to fill. Uh, and if you sit down with somebody that's on your side to help you kind of get things across the line, you can work out how best to do that. Well, if we, you try and paper over it, eventually you, you're going to come a cropper. And we wouldn't blag it in other in other areas of life, would we? I mean, if you took your car into the garage and, and, and the mechanic said, oh, you know, I'm not quite sure what's wrong with it, you wouldn't suddenly try and analyse it yourself and tell the mechanic mm. what to do. You say, I don't know what's wrong, it's making an odd noise, and you'd rely on the professional. So, Another set of rear tyres, Mr. Clapson. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, uh, you, you don't need to blag it. That was a really good point. And you don't need to be experienced either. You yeah. know, it's not about... you. you if, if you're new to this, whatever you do, you don't have a conversation with a broker. It's, no, everybody's welcome. At the end of the day, they, you know, the, the, the new people coming into property development, those are the guys that are going to be uh, potentially, you know, doing repeat custom for for the broker and obviously for the the finance the commercial finance that sits at the back end yeah he was all about building that relationship wasn't he He was talking about you might only do a small deal with me now but looking ahead you know who knows where you'll be in two or three years the other thing i quite like a very good point is that uh, the banks like a bit of local knowledge so if you've been out and you've talked to estate agents and you've got their input on what sells then that just helps to create the confidence that uh, with the banks that you're in the right place that your design your proposal your project is has got a good chance of succeeding because you're you're not building something that that nobody's going to want to buy or estate agents don't think they can sell yeah, that estate agents review yeah really important yep yeah, i think that's exactly right that was uh that was a good interview. So uh, we all thank Terry for for uh, spilling the beans. Absolutely, there. and we'll thank you too, Richie, for your uh, doing your your roving report a bit again. Uh, really, really interesting stuff. I'm afraid uh, that's all we've got time for in this episode. Hopefully, you'll be able to find the time to join us next time uh, when we'll be giving you the uh, the inside track from another part of the property world. In the meantime. Uh, please feel free to check out our other episodes and of course you can visit our website which is at propertyceo.co.uk until next time it's goodbye from us both goodbye